Welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. In this August 8th, 2021 sermon, Pastor Craig Kidder begins the Church on Mission miniseries. Digging into Jude 17 through 22, Pastor Craig shows how to deal with toxic false teachers and how to give grace to those in doubt. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com. Good morning. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote that's often misattributed to Albert Einstein that says, uh, what's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. So Einstein didn't say that. How do I know that? Uh, Google felt pretty strongly about it this morning as I was fact-checking coming up here. Uh, someone even on like Reddit, they said, like, the only insane thing about this quote is constantly attributing it to Einstein, which I thought was kind of clever. Um, I think there's been a situation where the church in North America has been trying the same thing over and over again, uh, expecting different results, and uh, to one or two reactions. Uh, we're trying the same thing over and over again, and it's either met with, well, let's just try harder, let's double down, or just let's frustration, and we give up. And this became crystal clear for me uh, watching it in someone else's life. So, you know, that's, it's always great to be a spectator in someone else's, you know, problems. You're like, oh, this is clear, but, you know, it's harder. We have blind spots, but it's easier to see with other people. So many years ago, Amy and I, we took a friend out to eat for her birthday. And I'm about, like, 23 at this point. And we're walking around downtown, and there's a commotion. And it catches my attention. And I'm pretty like, oh, let's, let's go over here, right? And so uh, what caught my attention was there was like a corpse on the ground. Uh, and right in downtown, there's a corpse on the ground. And there's a sign behind the corpse that said, if you can prove evolution uh, is real, we'll give you a million dollars. Well, let's just see what this is about, right? This is better than just walking in and out of clothing stores. And so uh, it was our friend's birthday, and she was into it too. My wife and some other friends were like, this isn't for me. They left. And what had happened, now, you just have to just understand this about me. I grew up Baptist. And so there's things about Baptists and numbers, right? Like we always like air up. Uh, but there had to have been like 70 people uh, just circled around in this gathering, all right? And so what, what, what was happening was there were about four street preachers and then this wild group of like 70 people. And these 70 folks were in like a semicircle around this street preachers. They had like a booth and like a table and all these posters. And they had a microphone on a stand in the middle of the, of the spectators. So they wanted some kind of dialogue. And it was wild, right? Like... You know, I'm like, hey, this is, again, this is way better than walking in and out of J. Crew. Like, what is happening here? And so, you know, me and my wife's friend, we just stop and stare. And uh, it was just this back and forth. And it was kind of intense. Like, the crowd had gotten kind of worked up. And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. This may have changed the course of my ministry life for forever. This really soft-spoken older gentleman, he, he must have been like late 60s, early 70s, Super just soft-spoken, and again, not necessarily like home-field advantage. Like everybody's getting really upset with each other, and he just kind of gently, quietly comes up to the microphone, and he grabs the microphone, and he says, hello to the street preachers, the four guys that were getting everybody going. He says, hello. Uh, you guys keep calling us evil, and I, just genuinely asking, can I get a working definition of, of evil? You're, you're calling me evil. 
what do you mean when you say that? Thank you. You know, and he had great microphone etiquette. He steps away from the microphone. So just in, in case any of you are ever in such a situation, do ask your question, leave the mic. He did it, right? Great. And he's like this little older guy, like, you know, everybody's grandpa. Beautiful. And these street preachers who, you know, had gotten everybody worked up, I, you know, it's like, all right, well, this is great. This guy's asking a nice question. How are they going to respond? And this, this is where it got really interesting. They go like all New Testament on this guy. They're like, how dare you? How dare you? And they're like, shall the thing made say to the thing that made it, why have you made me this way? And now I'm like, okay, this is just getting way more interesting because these cats actually know their Bibles. Huh. And so I get in line, okay? Keep in mind, I'm 23. And when you're 23, you're like, I can change the world, right? This is easy. I can do this. And so I don't know what I'm hoping will happen, but I'm ready to change the world with a few questions, okay? So I wait. And again, these street preachers, I mean, they, they were just like rattling off scripture. Like if you don't know, that passage comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. It's like kind of deep in Romans, right? It's not like the beginning or the end. Like they weren't just, like, these guys were reading, okay? And so I'm like, they know their Bibles and they're pretty, whew, all right. They're ready to go. So I wait and finally it becomes my turn in this line. And I'm like, hey, you guys, hi, uh, you clearly know the Bible. Can I just ask you, what's your interpretation of Jude 22? We don't know what that, what does that say? We don't know what that means to you. I'm, oh, well, it says, have mercy on those that doubt. I don't know what I thought would happen, but it, it wasn't what actually happened. So the, all of a sudden, one of their guys comes out from behind the booth and grabs me and drags me behind the booth, Right. Okay, and so again, I, you know, I, something is broken within me. I'm like, wow, this is just keeps getting better. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> and so I get dragged behind the booth, and I don't know what's going on, and a couple people follow me, right? And so these guys, these street preachers, are lit, all right? They're like poking me in the chest. They're yelling. They're screaming. And I'm just like, what is happening, right? Like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm not nervous at this point because I'm like, it would be kind of weird to be murdered by street preachers. I mean, that would just be a cool funeral story. But I'm just like waiting to see what, 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 are the, what is this tactic here? And they're really mad. And they're like, you can't do that, bro. You can't do that. I'm like, do what? They're like, you can't do that. I'm like, I, again, what did I do? They're like, you can't correct. This is literally what they said. You can't correct a brother in front of unbelievers, in front of outsiders. I was like, what? I'm, what? Like, what, do we have a rule book? Like, where did you get that? Like, I didn't know that. And so they're like just so upset. They're so upset. We kind of get talking. They kind of get calmed down. And so it, I'm like, hey, where are you guys from? All right. And they said the name of their ministry, okay? And the name of their ministry that they were involved with had the word grace in it. I'll never forget this. The, one of the ladies who had followed me back, God bless this lady, wherever she is. I hope this was a turning point in her life as well. She just goes, Grace? You guys don't know the first thing about grace. And she walks away. And I, I stay and talk to these guys a little bit, and it calms down a little bit. And something hit me like a ton of bricks. I think that evening forever changed the trajectory of my ministry life. I wasn't in ministry yet. I was thinking about jumping in the water. And I remember just thinking like, hey, there, there's some disconnection here. Like I, I actually, I, as I started talking to these guys, I really think they meant well. Like I really think in their mind they were helping. However, that was not the experience everyone present was having. All right? And it just hit me like, oh, we're trying to do something and it's not working. And so let's just try harder. Where we may just need to back up a little bit and say, hey, what, what is it exactly that we're doing here? What kind of house are we building? 
Is it a ranch? Does it have a walkout basement? Is it two-story? Like, what are we, what, what are we doing? All right? It, it, was, it was one of those moments where I was like, I, I legitimately think these guys are motivated by care and concern, but it is just not translating at all. And I think that's actually been a crisis that the church in North America has been swimming in for quite a long time. We are living in an age where just in the internet age, you can't hide anything. And scandal after scandal keep coming out. People who have great content, but it's not matched by great character. People who have the content, what they're saying, it, hey, it lines up. This, it, like, we can find the verse and the, what they're saying matches the verse. Okay. But then just like those of us on the street that night, like how we're experiencing this, like, wait, you're following someone who died for his enemies and you're all about grace and love. Oh, I feel like I'm missing something here. Feel like something is a little off. You've seen the headlines. Whether it's a Christian apologist who's accused of sexual assault and human trafficking. Whether it's a Christian university president who is embroiled in political, financial, and moral scandal. Or, or whether it's a, it's a, it's a megachurch preacher who his talent was rocketing through the roof and he was creating a culture that was absolutely toxic both toward women and toward the people he worked with while he just amassed money for himself. You've seen the headlines. And some of us, some of us get to this place where we're like, yeah, we're done here. Like, I've seen the church. It's kind of like remodeling a bathroom, right? Like, you, you pull out the tub, and there's a broken pipe underneath it. Pull out the sink, the baseboards are all rotten. You're like, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to be a one-bathroom house. Like, we're just going to, we're going to close this door, and there's nothing behind it. All right? Jude, Jude gives us a different option. Jude is writing to people in exactly the same situation we find ourselves. People had crept into the church, and Jude calls them false teachers. And what's super interesting, super duper interesting, he doesn't say anything about their teaching. Nothing. But he does talk about their character and their posture. These were people who had crept into the church and their vices were sexual immorality and money. Feel familiar? And Jude is writing to a church. He had every intention, he says in verse 3, to write about something else, our common fellowship together. But he's like, hey, this is a crisis. This is threatening to derail the mission of the church. We got to address this. We got to talk about this. And he makes this statement we need to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Okay? Contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Which I'm convinced is what my friends, the street preachers, thought they were doing. They had worked their arguments out and they're even willing. I mean, I don't think they had a million dollars that they were going to give somebody if they could prove evolution. I, I don't... If they did, there's money in street preaching. I mean, I would just be shocked if they were, oh, all right, hey, get the briefcase. Like, right? They, they felt pretty confident in their argument. What happened, though? Why the disconnect? There's a behavioral psychologist at Stanford. His name is B.J. Fogg. He says, we always run into this problem. We deeply believe that people change if they just get the right facts. 
It, the problem is information. And if we can just get the right information in people's hands, we are off to the races. Uh, and we all lived through an experience where we just intuitively know that is not true. And it was called the coronavirus. Facts. Did that straighten anything out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Made it all clear. Like, no, everybody had science on their side. And as a church, we have that same posture. We're like, we just got to get the facts right, and that's it. But Jude, Jude says something different. Jude says it's not just about content. Content is a glove, and there's a hand that goes in that glove, and it's called character. It's not just about our pedagogy, what we teach. It's about posture. Watch out, Baptists, former Baptists, all right? You got to watch out for alliteration, all right? It's not just about how, how, what we say. It's about how we live. When we start to tell a world, hey, money, money will not be lasting security. Sex will let you down. And then we live like that's not true. A watching world calls baloney. And that is the crisis James, Jude, excuse me, is writing to. The crisis is, hey, you guys got content down, but posture and character are missing. And so he says, contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And those of us living in a post-enlightenment, uh, like, Postmodern world, we're like, we just need the argument. We just need the fact. If we can get the facts down, we will be contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Jude does not actually tell them how to do that until verses 17 and 19. It's a little preachy trick. That's where we're going to be today. Jude 17. He doesn't tell them how to contend for the faith until we get to verse 17. And there's, there's one command there. How do we contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints? We keep ourselves in the love of God. It's not about winning arguments. It's about a posture. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves. Don't drift away. Work hard to stay. Abide. In the truth of God, in the anger of God, in the self-righteousness that we often attribute to God? No. How do we navigate? How do we navigate toxic cultures? How do we not navigate false teaching? We keep ourselves in the love of God. Turn with me to Jude 17. There's only one chapter in Jude, so we're gonna be in verse 17. It's the second to last book of the Bible, Jude Revelation. Jude 17. And if you would, out of respect for God's word, would you please stand with me? Jude 17. How do we be a church on mission? How do we not get derailed? But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, 
by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. This is the word of the Lord. God, God, this morning we, we pray that we would receive correction. That we would not be people who just keep trying to hone our arguments who see people who have questions as the enemy, who see them as other. God, I pray you'd help us to break down this us versus them posture and that we would be people who live in grace and see others as people who need that same grace. God, teach us what that looks like. I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. When we talk about, when we talk about abuse in church cultures, it's really important to recognize that a Abuse in a church culture has to take place on a spectrum. What, what do I mean by that? If we call everything abuse, nothing is abuse. And it's really, we're not trying, we're not, I'm not, please hear me really carefully. All right? Please hear me very carefully. I'm not trying to sweep abuse under the rug. Let's not deal with it. Let's look away from it. But we have to be precise with how we talk about abuse in church cultures. People who come into the church and are using the church for nefarious reasons. So abuse in church cultures, we're talking about people in spiritual authority, people with power, using that power and doing harm with said authority and power. That can look like money. That can look like sex. That can look like just authoritarian, harsh, toxic cultures. But we have to recognize that this happens on a spectrum. So, for example, we're, talk, we're, we're calling like heretical teaching. So what, what does that mean, heretical? So heretical is not just anything that's wrong. Heretical is like if we're on the path of life, heretical takes us off that path. All right? So that's teaching that's like, hey, Jesus isn't God. Uh, you know, like there's no, God doesn't have any justice. There's, and you're like, if you believe these things, it takes you away from abiding. Now, I say things that are wrong all the time, okay? And, and like... Yeah, how do I know that? Like, I, you know, I, I live with some pretty good editors, okay? And so I say things like, oh, that didn't come out how I intended it to, okay? That's not heretical, okay? Like, nobody nails it every single time. And if we were like, oh, that's a negative five. Whoa, 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 wait. We're going to, if everything is abusive, if everything is toxic, nothing is abusive, nothing is toxic. So, for example, if you run into, like, a spiritual leader, like your small group leader, and you're like, hey, how are you? And they're like, leave me alone, all right? It, it probably is not okay for you then you to go and blast like I am at a toxic environment and an abusive church culture, okay? And why that, that that's probably like a negative one on the spectrum. All right, we all have bad days. We all have days where we don't model the Sermon on the Mount. We all have days where we're struggling with self awareness and we're gonna bump into each other, okay? And if, but we can't, we have to recognize there's a difference here. We're talking about heretical teaching and we're also talking about toxic and abusive cultures. That's exactly what had sneaked into the church that Jude is writing to. Verses 7 and 8, he's saying that these people had clothed themselves in sexual immorality. And verse 11, he's saying that they were using, just like Balaam, they were profiting off of the faith to fill their own pockets. 
And then he, Jude says this, but he doesn't mince words. He's like, these people sat in our midst like nothing was wrong. All right? That's different from, hey, we're all people who struggle, we don't hit the mark, and sometimes we bump into each other. There's real danger. And we're saying we want to be a church that's as far away from that negative, negative five as we can be. What does that look like? Well, Jude talks about that in verses 17 to 19. What does it look like to actually be a church that's not cultivating a toxic environment, that's tolerating false teaching? What does it look like? Listen to what he says. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. They're people who divide. Okay, so what do they do? They divide. That's not good. They don't create unity. They intentionally divide. They follow natural instincts, and they don't have the spirit. That's what we're trying to avoid. A Christianity that is devoid of the spirit and is wildly divisive. But there's really good news even in that warning. And it's very easy to miss. Jude says in verse 17, he says, hey, don't be surprised when people sneak into the church who are bad news bears. Did you hear it? Verse 17. He says, remember what the apostles said. In the last times, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. So when this happens, it's not saying, well, see, the church is just rotten to the core. It's like we had a garden, some weeds came up, let's just dump some cement and call it a day. Let's leave that bathroom alone. He's saying, no, there will be toxic folks, there will be heretical teachers that come into our midst. That's good news. What? We don't have to be surprised when things go off the rails. All right? We don't have to be surprised when things go off the rails. It was going off the rails from the get-go. How do we respond? That's helpful. If we're trying to create a place where it's, no, 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 we're always, if we just do these three things, we'll never be a toxic culture. Yeah, yeah, you heard that. You heard that. Right? Jude's not giving us a list. He's saying, just wait. Just wait. Somebody will come into your parking lot, and they have the best ideas about how to organize small groups. And we follow this person because our small groups are a mess. And then it turns out they were bad news bears. And we just are like, oh, shut the church down. Shut it down. It didn't work out. Healthy people don't have to leave because unhealthy people sneak in. Healthy people don't have to just throw up their hands and leave because unhealthy people sneak in. That is not what Jude is saying. Jude is saying, hey, here's how you can navigate when that happens. He's not minimizing it. Whew, he's not minimizing it. If you're just concerned if he's minimizing it, read verses 4 to 16. He has some words, okay? We didn't talk about it this morning because he quotes from like uh, sources that are like, you know, secondary and they're kind of, they're wild and he's talking about like, you know, Michael the Archangel fighting and it's like, well, what? So we'll, that, we'll say that for, it's a wildly exciting conversation. We'll say that for like a podcast or something. But just suffice it to say, Jude feels strongly about toxic leaders and he, he just calls a spade a spade. All right, what's at stake with him avoiding that? 
uh, I have a, he- a hero of mine told a story uh, that he was, he was preaching at an event about racism. And he was preaching about how, just how wrong racism is. And a guy afterwards came up to him and said, hey, I hear what you're saying about racism and how it doesn't honor God at all. But let me tell you something. I fought in Vietnam. I fought in Vietnam and I hate Vietnamese people. I just, can't, I just saw stuff over there. I can't help it when I see a Vietnamese person. I just instinctively want to get violent. And I do not want to repent. What options do I have? And so my hero says to him, well, there's always hell. <laughs> that guy stormed out. Years go by. Years go by. My hero is again preaching. And who comes into the room? Same guy. He's like, you don't remember me. He's like, oh, no, I do. I do remember you. Several years ago, you told me if I didn't repent, I, I, would, I was in danger of going to hell. Changed my life. Absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. Thank you. It doesn't always happen, but here's what does always happen. When we say things, when we say things and then we don't really believe them, it totally discredits everything. When we say Jesus is better than money and we are lining our pockets with righteous dollar bills, a watching world says, see, we're the same, bro. I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. But when we do stand on truth, when it's costly, when we, when we marry together both character and content, it shows the world the kingdom of God really has come. And that is why it's hand and glove. Character matters. When we say Jesus is our source of love, acceptance, worth, and security, but yet we look to sex and we look to money, people say, yeah, that's my source of love, acceptance, worth, and security too. Why do I need to listen to you? And then what do we do as a church? We're like, well, we just got to get better arguments. Jude says, no way. No way. What does he say? Verse 20. Dear friends, dear friends is the noun form of just the word love, loved ones, people who are loved. By building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do we contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints? We build ourselves on the apostles' teaching, build yourselves on that foundation. Pray in the Spirit, we abide with God, and that's how we keep ourselves in the Father's love. That's how we navigate post-Christianity. That's how we navigate false teachers coming in. That's how we navigate a society that has questions. Because look, when he says in verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt, that word mercy, that's not the first time he's used that in this passage. Look back at verse 21. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. We are to be people who have a posture where we're waiting, we're anticipating, we're looking forward to, we are, we are hoping 
That's what hope is. We're count, we are putting all our eggs in the basket of the mercy of God. And then we turn to people who doubt and we say, well, I know what your problem is. You just don't know these facts. I know what your problem is. You don't have it together like me. No, no, no. That's not living a whole life. That's disintegration. That's putting walls up and saying, yeah, this is good for me, but, I mean, these guys are on their own. That Jude is inviting us to break down some of these walls and say, hey, we're people who are banking on God's mercy, and uh, why don't we extend that to other people? Why don't, we, why don't we just, instead of leaving that in this room on Sunday morning, when we go out, when we go out to our waiters and waitresses that we go out to eat after this, and at church comes up, and they go, I don't, I don't go to church. I went to church, it's not for me. Well, you need to be in church. Have mercy on those who doubt. The word doubt, it, it, it means to, uh, to it's, it's basically a word that means to like decide or to judge or to fight. People who doubt are people who are having this internal fight going on. They feel like something might be true, but ah, oh, they're, they're fighting that truth. Here's, here's this is just, this is the reality we live in ever since the Protestant Reformations. Doubters are not out there. The pews are full of those of us who doubt. Quote the philosopher James K.A. Smith, we don't believe instead of doubting, we believe while doubting. Because we have the option to not believe, because belief seems so wild to our neighbors, like, I can't believe you still believe that stuff, it makes doubt just a present reality for all of us. And our posture to those who doubt is mercy, grace. The word in the Old Testament is hesed. It means that's God's relationship. That's how he, he presents himself as a God who's faithful. Israel's going to mess up, but I'm going to be faithful. We want that faithfulness. But when we're in line at Hy-Vee and we went from cashier to cashier because we were trying to return, we bought this like expensive milk that came in a glass jug and we go to like line to line. They're like, no, you got to go, you got to go to customer service. Oh, you go to customer service and somebody cuts you and it's like, oh, what does grace look like here? Oh, all right, fine. Grace. I'll give you grace. What does grace look like when like you come home from work and you're pretty tired and you're going to pull into the driveway and there's kids' bikes everywhere and you've told them not to, you know, they know where to put the bikes? talking for a friend <laughs> what does grace look like in reality what does grace look like on Tuesday morning in your office when, when you're the only one going to a small group it's like well I didn't realize how just how much I had it together I thought I was pretty bad but I'm not as bad as these folks listen to this it goes even further this is where Jude just gets crazy Verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear. The, Jude has mentioned fire before uh, in this verse, in this passage. But it's always in context of false teachers. The fire is always talking about false teachers. And many commentators believe that as Jude says, have mercy on some, now have mercy on others. Jude may be saying, go after those false teachers with mercy. Doesn't, and again, if you're wondering, well, is Jude just sweeping stuff under the rug? Is he saying, oh, let's not talk about toxic cultures, just that's okay because we're going to be gracious. No, no, no. He goes after, he goes after the toxic folks. We, we tell the truth, content, and even to people who've done harm, 
our posture needs to ultimately be grace. Grace mixed with fear, though. It's a little different. Yes, there are those who doubt we're just going to be wildly gracious to them, but people who've been leading people astray, we're going to do that cautiously. We're like, hey, we're going to be gracious because the danger is we can always sweep things under the rug. We can get, you know, they're very persuasive. We get locked into their orbit. So it's, it's grace mixed with fear, but please don't miss, it's still grace. Now, we're going to have a fireside chat for a second, all right? I haven't been your senior pastor very long, so maybe we'll keep doing this. But here's, let's just have a fireside chat for a second. There have been lots of questions about what, when, are, when are Sunday schools coming back? When are community groups coming back? And those are great questions, okay? Here's a commitment that you need to hear me say and as clearly as I can, okay? This, what we're talking about, character versus content, matters so very deeply. We are not going to invite people to preach on Sunday mornings, to lead Sunday schools, to teach or to lead small groups who don't model both the content, orthodox teaching, and the posture, all right? I would rather we not have Sunday schools or adult education for a very long time then we put the wrong people in these places because it does damage. We are not just looking for warm bodies to fill positions. We are saying if you are going to be a spiritual leader in this church, you're going to both model posture and content. There are people all around who are wildly talented. You can go get a great show. And then you can find behind that show just a trail of hurt and broken people. And we are going to do our darndest not to be that place. Are we going to mess up? No. <laughs> but when we do mess up, we're going to practice grace. We're going to tell the truth. We're going to say, hey, this isn't... This isn't life-giving. This isn't apostles' teaching. If it's false teaching, this isn't the posture Jude's talking about. But we are going to say, hey, we're going to build, we're going to build from the ground up a foundation where we're working really hard to both model character and content. That takes time. And, and thank you for your patience. I know it's like, whoa, where, when are these things coming out? Because corona was a really odd mixed blessing. We were able to kind of hit a pause button and then take an inventory. How are we doing? And at, with everything, there's things that are going well and things that need adjustment. And so what I have learned in my many years of being a senior pastor is like, I can be like, yeah, let's do that. Make a one decision and it affects like 30 things over here. And I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to do all 30 of those things. Oh, man. And so we're trying to really carefully make sure what's the heartbeat of what we're trying to do. We're trying to obey Jude. We're trying to model a church that cares. Because look, here's the wild thing that we just, we all have to recognize. We're, we're swimming, we're surfing in waves that we didn't create. All right? There are folks that have been hurt by other churches, hurt by this church. And when we say and do things, they throw that through the filter of their own hurt. And so we're like, wait, what? Like we were, we were just trying to do this. And it's like, well, I did that at that church. And here's how bad it went. And this feels just like that. We're not going to be like, oh, you need to get over that. 
here's the facts, you're welcome. We're gonna work really hard that we're hearing people, we're getting on the same page, and just, that just takes time, but we're willing to take the time to do that. We want to be a healthy church, not a busy church, all right? Real easy to get busy. This thing's always working. I always got ideas. So you just want to hang out with me. We'll get you going. We'll get you busy. You get your ideas. You may be burnt out in like six months. All right? Now, here's the other side of this. There are many of us who have experienced hurt both from Compass and from other churches. What do you think Jude's advice would be for those of us who have experienced hurt when what he said so far is have mercy on those who doubt. Do you think his posture, do you think have, having mercy on those who doubt, do you think that looks like sweep that under the rug? Ah, oh, please don't bring that up. We don't want to talk about that. Oh, Does that look like mercy on those who doubt? You heard it here first, folks. No. It doesn't. It doesn't. What does that look like? I don't know. But we're going to try. We're going to try to be a place that lives and models this because, 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 because it's not just an unbelieving, skeptical world that is watching us. As uh, many have pointed out, uh, our closest seekers are at our knees. What does that mean? There's little people watching. I was a little person once, and I remember uh, this is another uh, story that has shaped how I approach church. Uh, I, I was in high school, about 16 years old, and again, trying to change the world. I was super cool. I had a lip ring, all right? And uh, I remember, like, the two Sundays after I get the lip ring, which, if you're thinking about getting a lip ring, do it. Um, but it hurts, okay? It totally hurt. And so I think, and you know, 16-year-old boys are really well-known for hygiene, so like, it was getting infected all the time. So anyway, I like go to church, my mouth hurts, but I got this cool lip ring, and I'm an usher for the first Sunday. And I remember, the head usher pulls me aside. Keep in mind, I am, uh, who's my like mentor usher? It's my best friend's dad, whose name was also Craig, and he was a biker dude. He's got a Harley earring in, he's got earrings in, and I'm, I'm with Craig, we're welcoming people, Craig and Craig, and the, the head usher pulls me aside and he sits me down. He says this, he says, hey, you can't be an usher anymore. So why? Oh man, like, I'm like, you know, I'm 16 years old, I'm like, what did I do, right? He goes, you know, I just, you don't look like Jesus. What do you mean? That, that lip ring, what, what are people gonna think when they come in here and they see someone with a lip ring? Sorry, man, can't be an usher. That started a wild relationship that I have with the local church that has been mixed with, to be honest, a little bit of anger. People are watching, and that church had great content, and if we don't have the right posture, we do damage to real people with real stories. People are watching us. How are we going to navigate a world where people are watching us and where they have questions? We are going to contend for the faith once for all, delivered to the saints by keeping ourselves in the love of God. 
So if you are someone who has been hurt by church, we're, we're trying to say we're trying to chart a new path forward. We're trying, we don't know what it looks like, but thankfully there are, this is, this is how we're doing it, okay? I'm not gonna say who, but there are people right now praying for this service. And that's what Jude says. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God by praying in the spirit. Right now, people are praying in the spirit for us. That's step one. We're gonna, we're gonna build ourselves on the apostles' teaching. That word build, think about it, it's a construction word. It also means develop. Christians are like sharks. Hang on for it, wait for it. I'm told if sharks don't keep moving, they drown. If we don't keep growing, we spiritually atrophy and drown. We need to keep developing. We're going to build our life on the apostles' teaching. We're going to abide. We're going to pray in the Spirit while we keep ourselves in the love of God. If you've never experienced that love ever, you are in for a treat because you are in a place right now where you're surrounded by people who want you to experience that. Like you just look around this room, it's full of people who want you to experience that love of Jesus and to stay there. And if you've been hurt by church, there are people, we want to pray with you, we want to just hear your story. People like Molly, people like Luke, Troy, Marshall, me, we would love to just pray with you and hear your story. Do we have answers? No. But we can at least start this process. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we set out to be a church that keeps itself in the love of the Father. God, thank you for that love. God, I pray that we would be people who when we step outside of that love, we would be courageous and gracious. That we would call toxicity toxic and that we would step toward being a community of hesed, a community where grace rules the roost. In Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is part of the ministry of Compass Evangelical Free Church in Columbia, Missouri. We seek to be a church where Christ's love is at work transforming lives through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. For more information, check out compassefc.com.